Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. After that home run and you touched home plate, I don't know if you heard this, but the fans were chanting MVP. And they did it a couple times today. Did you hear that? I did. I did. What did you think? Uh, it's, it's, it's cool, you know. Um, obviously, i got to keep doing what I'm doing. Um, but for me, it's whatever we can do to get the team wins and get us get us to the world series to get that ring that's the biggest goal for us i mean it i just i just want it. you you all to know MVP. as declan taps his veins mvp and, and put a ring on it one of us on this show like a week ago tweeted out byron buxton american league mvp uh-huh you all laughed. It's all not, of you laughed. That's not true. I, Every I did, last I never, one of you no, laughed. No, no, that, that is revisionist history, sir. <sighs> I did snickered, not laugh. You sneered. No, I did not. I said, fun. we all. Oh, we, it's just Mackie uh, being a homer. No, you know what? I never called yeah. you that for that because Byron Buxton, when he can play, um, if he wasn't hitting as well as he is right now, which is absolutely mashing the baseball. He is an MVP candidate, but we all come back to, and this still remains the, the question seven games in. Can he stay healthy? But he is an if he can stay, if he can play in 140 games and he will cool off eventually, he still really? makes such a big or, difference. Or well, really? if he does, look, he's going to cool off at the plate. That doesn't mean he's going to go in the tank. Doesn't mean he's going to go in the tank. But this is, I mean, how long did we wait for this? How long did we wait? And I don't care if it's seven games, 10 games, 40 games. How long did we wait for this? Well, in fairness to Buck, and by the way, welcome in. This is Mackie and Judd on the podcast feed today. You can also expect a deep dive, Judd's first ever viewing of one of the great sports movies of all time, Little Big League, a Minnesota treasure. We're going to do that deep dive. Um, in 2017, Buxton gave us like a half season. He gave us 140 games, mm-hmm. and he gave us like a half season of really good offense. And uh, his overall numbers at the end of the year offensively were still below average OPS, below average on base, et cetera. But he was also the best defender in maybe the entire league. Yeah. And so that season, he did get MVP votes. Mm-hmm. In a year in which he was still feeling out how to hit major league pitching, he had 16 homers, 29 stolen bases, batted 253, got on base of the 314 clip, and uh, and sprinkled in some doubles as well. Mm-hmm. This offensive version of Buxton is 10 times that, that we've seen in the first week, and we know is in there somewhere, right? We've seen it for stretches. This is 10 times the guy that got MVP votes in 2017. And so this is this is sometimes it just takes a long time, especially if your swing is raw. We talked to Royce about this on Rap with Royce. But I think what you're seeing here is not a fluke. I don't think this is just him being hot for a week. I think you're seeing a guy that's finally breaking into his 25-30 home run power and a guy that feels super comfortable facing Major League Pitching maybe for the first time in like six years. There's a bravado when he struts, and I do mean struts, to the plate now. He used to go to to the plate bat-dragging behind his back, looking (laughs) like a sure out. Mm -hmm. Um and here, here's where I will trace this to, and to me, this is an interesting thing about how long this process can take, okay? I trace this to, and I I don't want to give him too much credit here because I still don't agree with the move, but do you remember the spring training after he, he had been injured about three or four years ago on and off a lot? 
And they could have called him up. He, he went to Rochester, and they could have called him up uh, when the rosters were expanded, and they didn't. Mm-hmm. They sent him home, and he was pissed, and he should have been pissed. And I still don't agree with that move. But that being said, he came to he came to Fort Myers the next year and was basically like, I'm done listening to everybody and their brother tell me what to do. Tory told me to have a leg kick. Judd told me not to. Phil <laughs> said this. Declan said that. He used to listen to everything. Like, it would all be processing. I got to do this. I got to do that. I got to do this. And... He showed up at that spring training and said, I'm done. I'm done with all the BS. And I have an approach. I worked on that approach. And that is me now at the plate. So subsequently after that, as far as his approach at the plate, it wasn't always fantastic. But it was definitely changed to a bleep you. This is what I'm going to at least do. And now the problems after that have been he's been hurt on and off. He's hurt. Again, I'll go back to last summer in that um, truncated training camp when he somehow twisted his ankle and damn near broke it. And we're all like, what happened there? So coming full circle now, we are to a point where, and this is the biggest if that you could possibly have, if he can stay healthy, I do believe that there is no longer a flaw in his confidence or approach. I think this is three years of him saying, you sort of screwed me, and I'm done being the nice guy and the guy asking questions of myself. Because you could see, Phil, for how long the gear's just churning. And, and I mean, this is independent of the injuries. I'm talking about his approach to baseball. You could see the gears churning on everything he did. And no, that's no way to play sports. So if this guy can now, for the most part, stay off the IL, I do think we are talking about the product of a player that we have been dreaming about in this town, as far as Byron Buxton goes, for five years, four years, five years, at least, if not more. Yeah. By the way, our Talking Twins discussions every single day on Mackie and Judd, bonus, deeper dives on Mondays as well. Uh, Our Talking Twins discussions presented in part by Dennis Kirk. We thank Dennis Kirk for being a supporter two baseball seasons in a row now of Mackie and Judd. And uh, and if you're if you're someone who likes to get out, enjoy the baseball weather. If you like to to get out and ride, whether you ride a Harley or a sport bike, whatever kind of ride you have, you'll find what you need at DennisKirk.com. One hundred sixty thousand parts and accessories in stock, clothing and helmets as well. If you order by eight p.m., you'll get it. They ship the same day. Uh, you'll probably get it tomorrow. Plus, shipping is free for orders over eighty nine dollars. Truly, the best in the business. Just like Byron Buxton has become the best in the business. Move over, Mike Trout. DennisKirk.com. Everything you need for your ride at DennisKirk.com. So I know that they've had a couple just very uh, bad taste in your mouth losses through the first week, but they are five and two, and they're beating up on bad teams. I mean, they haven't they haven't played the Yankees yet. They haven't played the Astros, etc. Sure. But what I'm what I'm seeing so far, just from Jose Barrios and some of these key figures, right? And Nelson Cruz doesn't look like. There's been any sort of age rust at all in Byron Buxton. And Andrelton Simmons is already making little That's little right. like unflashy plays at shortstop that you don't even notice. Don't on sleep on that. Turns, don't sleep on that, Phil Mackey. It's a big deal. It's huge. I, I've seen enough in seven games to say that this team is legit. This team has a really, really good chance to win a playoff game <laughs> for the first time since 2004. And they're going to have some hiccups, and they're going to go through some more injury issues. But I've I've seen enough in the first week to say, yep, all right, this team belongs in and around the contenders in the American League. Am I too quick to make that assessment? Or are you guys uh, also drinking a little early season Twins Kool-Aid here? I put them on 96 wins. So absolutely not. No, this is a 96-win team. Like, this is a really good baseball team. Um Your fear of the White Sox is not that the Twins are regressing. It's that the White Sox are and have improved. No, this is a good team. When, look, the Simmons signing at shortstop to me is so key. The relay throw that that guy made uh, two days ago in Detroit, where he actually changed his positioning, realized that Divin Jake was going to miss Ugh. the ball, but then he put Dive himself. But then Simmons is the one that made that throw, and he's the one who repositioned himself to get the cutoff to make that that throw. That stuff Polanco couldn't do. Okay, yeah. So the Twins right now, as far as the infield goes, without JD playing yet, have a captain there, which they did not have. There was nobody previously, in my opinion, for the last two or three years, who was the captain of that infield. That guy is now there. The starting staff is stronger than it's been in a a long time. 
Barrios is slotting in perfectly to where he needs to be, and his confidence is high. Buxton is being who he can be, which is fantastic. Um, no, it, there are players I expect more from, and, and yes, it's um, you know seven games, so it's a small sample size so far. I get that. But there is a reason why I thought this team could win 96 games. I think they are really damn good. And guess what, too? The bullpen's good. I mean, so far, the bullpen's good. So they're going to go through slumps, but I do not think that this is a team that in any way, shape, or form is going backward. I really like them. Dex? Yeah, they're not going backwards. They're totally going forwards. They're they're, they're in the exact right direction. Uh, I said 91, 92 wins. If this is the guy, if Buck, Byron Buxton's going to be this guy, the, the the player we've all thought he could be, this is an MVP player. And even on ESPN.com, they did our hottest takes after one week. And this was just published this morning. And this is from Bradford Doolittle, by the way. Great name, Bradford Doolittle. And, Bradford and, and, Doolittle. And, and, you, and you just know that that guy writes about baseball, by the way. Bradford and he, Doolittle. And that guy, that guy parties. Too. And he parties. You know, that guy, you know that guy parties. So his hottest take was, this will be the year of Byron Buxton. I hate to curse a guy with my total inability to connect on hot takes, but here it goes. Byron Buxton is going to win the AL MVP award. This is not an overreaction. Hot Take Cops is recorded on location with the men and women of Sports Talk. All suspects are innocent until proven guilty in Hot Take Court. Wow. Wow. I mean, honestly... We're, we're pulling this guy over just to say congratulations for keeping it under the hot take speed limit, sir. You're a wonderful yeah. take artist. All right. Have a great day. And, and for clearly Enjoy the rest of your weekend. And for clearly listening to the Mackie and Judd podcast, too, because we were on this a week ago. He, uh, he finishes up this blurb saying, this is not an overreaction based on three early home runs. I just love where Buxton's offensive approach is at. He's in that magical age 27 zone. And with a, modicum, uh, uh, or with a newfound patience, he could hit 30 home runs. Yeah, this is an MVP yep. guy. When I when he hit the bomb, because I was a couple beers in at that point at the Twins game yesterday, I almost stood up and I almost slapped the person next to me because oh, I no. was in I was in so much excitement. Oh no, put your so mask on, sir. Oh, mask was on. Put your mask and by on. The way, by the way, the mask police at Target Field will come at you if you don't have your mask on. I just want to let you know. It, it, it's the simplest thing. Just put it on your face, people. It's not hard. It's not hard. Just and I get that you're outside. You're and like a lot, a lot of people have been vaccinated. <laughs> yeah, uh, but let's let's the just wrap it We're in the eighth inning of this thing. Okay? Yeah, let's but just finish strong. But the one problem I will say this going to uh, sporting events is this one: your ears, back of my ears, start to hurt. Oh, I, I think that's what, from the mask. Older? No, no, oh. from the mask, from the from the straps, mm. the straps that get, you might need to get a different I mean, mask. I need to get another mask, buddy. All right. I don't know. Ears. My ears yeah. start to hurt, and I got big ears. Oh well, I got the Dumbo I, I ears, and they flop this is a, down. This is a Zolgad problem. This is not a society. It's problem. not my problem. I, I got a big nose and big ears. Yeah, I get. I got I, the big honker. I, I, I don't know. I love you, but I think that's a Zolgad problem. I don't. Think no, that's it a is a Zolgad problem. problem. But I'm just saying. I'm just. I'm saying that um, starts to hurt. But yeah, I'm all in, man. I, I think this Twins yeah. team's good. The White Sox still are are coming too. By the way, they're they're four and four. Their offense is still humming. Their offense is just as good as I thought it was going to be. But. It'll, it, it still looks to be the Twins division. Totally is. Yeah, uh, Judd, any other final thoughts here on this edition of Talking Twins before we talk Twins from 1994 and a 12-year-old manager? I can't decide where uh, Mitch Garver is at. I loved the approach yesterday, and I think that I'm, – I'm not saying he's back to being the guy that he was two years ago at the plate, but I am saying I think that there is probably something in between the guy who scuffled and was hurt and struggled in 2020 and mm-hmm. and the guy from 2000. 19 who won a silver slugger at catcher which is off the charts um i don't i don't think garver by any means is a lost cause and he's still got power and i i'm intrigued by what he can do bouncing back i'm very intrigued he looks comfort is another word it's it's hard to tell like if that was just a pop-up fluke year in a year where the ball was juiced or Mm -hmm. if he's if if he's gonna have a bounce back and I would just add to Jose Barrios. Obviously, he wasn't quite as lights out as he was in his first outing, but good. I think what I what I'm looking for with him is missing bats, attacking hitters. Barrios and old school Liriano from like ten years ago oftentimes suffer from the same ailment as a great you know four three four pitch pitcher, which is just because someone squares you up or hits a ball to the gap or rips a single off of you or whatever. Doesn't mean that you have to now. Oh, now I gotta like try and try harder to miss bats. Like you can throw your stuff over the plate as is. You're gonna get hit sometimes, but don't let it 
deviate you from your strategy. Especially and I just, just want to see him just keep attacking. Yes. Especially against bad yes. teams. Oh, and and my last thing. So the Twins are, I like them a lot. They're a good team, okay? But if this was a Twins brunch, like let's say it's a Twins brunch, okay? And you're like, what's on? What you know? What do you have out for your brunch? And they're like, okay, we got a Simmons and we got a Buxton and a Barrios and a Cruz. And you're like, this sounds so good. More cannibalism. The second time. Do you know what I'm requesting? Cannibalism on the shows today. Do you know what I'm requesting? What I really need. I need you to take the garlic off the platter and put a Kirilov on. That's my next thing. Oh, the I garlic, see. the Kyle garlic. So it's, I don't... A, so it's a it's a it's a Bloody Mary bar. Okay, and that's fine. Like, yeah, there's too much too much garlic. Make of it what you Been will, there. but I don't need the garlic. I, I mean, he he got a single early, and then yeah, he's he one doubled. Of the best hitter so far, but then but he struck fine. out three consecutive times, and oh. that's all fine. I don't I don't care either he way. His tail off in spring training. I don't okay. care either way. But what he I'm telling you, what I'm telling you is, you are not going to have if if I am if I am the guy. From the Michelin star system rating your restaurant, you ain't getting five stars until you put that damn Kirloff on the plate. Dude, he's five for 12, and he's batting 417, and he's got two doubles. Like, and he struck out three times yesterday, and I'm telling you that, that much cares? like he's... Victor Rask, uh, they're, they're, <laughs> coming, they're, coming for, they're coming for the Cinderella slipper, and it's going to be midnight for Kyle Garlic before long. Give me the damn Kirloff. Listen, I understand you guys want Kirilov. I want Kirilov too, but I don't think this is a zero sum. Kyle Garlick is a good player. Kyle Garlick was one of the best AAA players, at and least with the Victor bat, Rask has nice in 2019. Too, yeah. so, okay, and Dakota Dozier he, might might have one good game on his resume. Yeah. Dude, Cinderella Kyle comes Garlick, for the slipper. Kyle Garlick has already played better in his sport than Dakota Dozier ever has in his sport. Okay, I'm telling you. So. Look, you asked me what I wanted. Okay, I hold teams to high standards here. Give me the damn Kirloff and take the garlic off the table. Thank you. You know, speaking of high standards, by the way, Federated Insurance holds a high standard for the work they do with businesses Mm -hmm. in the state of Minnesota. They've been around for over 100 years. Your your company ain't going to last that long and be at the top of the game if you don't have high standards. And so they have high standards for risk management, for protecting your business, and they measure the success of their business based on the success of your business. So find out more about Federated and the tools they provide and the resources and the list of industries that they protect at federatedinsurance.com or download the app. And remember, at Federated, it's our business to protect yours. All right. Should we do this? Sports movie rewind number two for us. And I think Mm -hmm. this is Judd Zolgad's first ever experience with said movie. It is. So Declan, if you could uh if you could here. roll this for us, let's rock and roll here with sports movie rewind on that. Billy, your grandfather owns the Minnesota Twins. There's no way Mr. Howell has that much money. Why not? He could. Think about it. If Mr. Howell was all that rich, what was he doing taking a cruise on the SS Minnow? Now remember, guys, eat as many of these as you possibly can for the next fifteen years. Because after that can't eat anything that tastes good for the rest of your life. You should do it. Yeah, right. Get real. No, you get real. You'd be great. You know how hard it is to manage? It's the American League. They got the DH. How hard could it be? That's Judd. Yeah, That's true. That's Judd. That was me. You could lead the Twins to the pennant. Manager of the year. Billy, serious, man. The Twins need you. <laughs> Welcome, then, to the second edition of Sports Movie Rewind here on Mackie and Judd. So this thing started a year ago, over a year ago, with Action Movie Rewind. We then brought Rom-Com Rewind into our stable. We will definitely get back to those genres as well. But uh, public demand, the masses and masses of Mackie and Judd and Purple Daily listeners have been clamoring for us to review sports movies. And so last week, Judd's first ever viewing of Mighty Ducks. So you basically have never seen these classic 90s Minnesota sports themed movies right Mighty ducks because i was and little big league from 1994 yeah because when mighty ducks came out i was like 21 or 22 and when little big league hit the screens i was 24 and i had no desire to see what i perceived to be um kids films for sports and i was really drunk at the time i feel like, like you're early like 90s i wasn't paying a lot of attention to these type of things you have an odd disassociation with kids movies like like and once kids. you get to a certain age you just like can't watch a kids movie 
You're just out on kids' movies? Not as much now, but then I was, yeah. In my early 20s, I wasn't going to go watch this stuff. Like, now now it's different. I'm older. I don't, you know. But, yeah, I mean, I was doing things. I was I was going to work. I was going to bars. <laughs> and then I was going to more bars. And then I was going to, to the liquor store once the bars, you know. I mean, so I was very busy. So, yeah, I, I definitely had what you just said is totally fair to summarize probably my 20s and 30s. I did not I do feel like it, it would films. be fun to go back and, You're like, comb right. through, ju- like, 24-year-old but judge toy story now. Like, yeah, I mean, I was going out and doing things. But I mean, I definitely had, I definitely had at 24, a complete disassociation with what I perceived to be kids films. And I've just never been a big movie goer type of guy. I watch way, way more now, but yeah, that's a fair statement. And Dex, have you, you've seen Little Big League before? Oh, plenty of times. Probably like eight times. Plenty of times. Okay. Uh, it's probably been though 15 years, 10 or 15 mm. years since I've seen it last, but I've seen it plenty okay. of times. Nice. So, yeah. Well the, the, well, the game has changed a lot a little since bit. Little Big League came out, too, which we'll, we'll talk about. But, all right, here's the summary of Little Big League, 1994. When his grandfather dies, 12-year-old Billy Haywood suddenly becomes the heir to the Minnesota Twins baseball team. It's a dream come true for the baseball fan who believes he can get the Twins out of their current slump by managing them personally. Of course, managing a pro baseball team is a lot of work, and some of the players aren't crazy about taking orders from a pre-teen. But Billy's honest approach and love for the game could be just what the Twins need. 31% on Rotten Tomatoes. $20 million budget for this movie turned into $12 million at the box office. This movie did not make a lot of money. Surprisingly, too, I think. Um, No, this was... they thought it was going to be a big hit, and it hmm. was not. Also, it screened it, really well. We'll get to all of it. Like the, the the cast was fairly loaded, and the cameos were loaded, and this was in the middle of like a, a great five to ten year run of baseball movies. Right? You had yes. you had these kids baseball movies, that, rookie of the year. Yes, and that might be part of the problem. So. Some of the people who starred in this movie, Luke Edwards is Billy Haywood, and the twins brought him back for, I think, for the 20th and maybe 25th anniversary of this movie, and he, like, threw out the first pitch at one point. They had him in uniform with Ron Gardenhire in, like, 2014. <laughs> Did they really? Sure. Or yeah. Paul, maybe it was Paul Mahler. I can't I remember. I can't remember. It was something. <laughs> but they had him in a twins uniform again. It was cool. Timothy Busfield, John Ashton from Beverly Hills Cop starring in this movie. Yep. Dennis Farina is is great for 10 minutes in this movie, and then he just gets fired. Classic Dennis Farina performance. Uh, Jason Robards, who's been in a million things for a long time. Jeff Garland making an appearance as a Little League manager early, early on. Very yeah, from early Curb Your Enthusiasm. Yeah. He, looks, he right. looks almost exactly the same. The Dyna Baseball League. Darker hair, but yes. Yep. Jonathan Silverman, and then you had a couple noteworthy... Former and current play. So uh, Leon Durham was on the Twins in this in this movie. And then Kevin Elster was an active Major League player. Yep. And he was on the Twins team. Directed, by the way, by Andrew Scheinman, who never directed another movie. This was the only movie he ever directed. But he was a producer on Stand By Me, The Princess Bride, When Harry Met Sally, Misery, si- Three Seasons of Seinfeld, and A Few Good Men. So his production credits leading up to this. That's a great run. Good. And then he he parlayed those things into directing this movie mm-hmm. and then never never directed again. So well, that says something about the work he did. So we'll start with jo- oh uh, and by the way, but we'll we'll get to we'll get to the cameos in one of these categories. We'll start with Judd. Your oh, key takeaway oh, yeah. from Little Bigly. Love the cameos. Love the cameos. Uh, my key takeaway was, was this as a film where uh, full disclosure, I had seen part of this not that. Longo, where he's in Chicago and stops by to play stickball with, with those kids yeah. on TV, but I quickly turned it. I want to say MLB Network shows this constantly now. Yes. They do, yeah, uh, yeah. But yet I did not sit and watch it. So my key takeaway was this. I thought this film would suck. I thought it was going to be really bad. <laughs> I thought it was just going to be just really, really stupid. And while it does have huge plot holes, I actually enjoyed it. Oh, like what? I actually enjoyed it. Um, my own, my only complaint was I wish they, they had come to me at the time because I could have cleaned up the time. It's a two hour film that could have been, you could have easily made this 140 or something. You probably um, didn't need two success montages. Yeah, that's Correct, exactly right? two baseball montages, but, but I wouldn't cut them both out. I would have had just the one though, but yes, that that's exactly what I fixated on was you didn't really, I mean, th- this is 1994 by that time. 
Like, if this had been 87, I'd be like, more montages. Yeah, I can see that. Like, Rocky, <laughs> right? Like, there's a third montage. Not surprising. But I'm with you that they could have they could have cleaned up the, or they could have cleared out the second montage. What I liked about it, and and what makes this intriguing is the cast was full of a lot of people that could actually had played baseball and could play. But what I liked about it was the acting itself was actually not bad. Like the yeah. acting is not um there were I thought that there were far more holes in the acting of Mighty Ducks and Estevez <laughs> than there were in, in this. And and I love the fact that Farina is great and he's not in it long, but like that could have that part could have gone to a person that couldn't have, have acted and it would have been brutal. Robards, the same thing, right? Yeah, like you could have like, given yeah, that to an old dotty guy and he would have just sucked. But he's great. So so I thought that I thought that they did a really good job of mixing and matching uh people that could play baseball so that the scenes came off looking real with acting that was pretty strong. And I went from saying this is this is gonna be two hours of just really, really patheticness to this isn't bad. I enjoyed it. And I did and I did love the part. I did love the fact, and we'll, we'll uh, touch on this more, that I felt the baseball itself the scenes were believable. I have a major take on the baseball in this movie. Okay. That will, that's sort of its own discussion sure. later yeah. on. But Declan, what was your main takeaway from uh, Little Baby? Uh, before I say my main takeaway, I just want to say on the Family Feud, number one answer for Judd in any movie rewind is, I wish they would have come to me first. I, I, I feel <laughs> I like that, 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 that is always a, a go-to in Judd Zolgad's movie reviews. And by the way, I agree with you. It's two hours. It's, it's too long. I, I can always cut your film down. That, I, but I just, that, that, it's your baby. You you say perfection. I say let's go back to the cutting room floor and leave a chunk, 10-minute chunk on that floor. I, I just have a deja vu every single Friday at like around 11 o'clock every time this happens because it's, it's the same thing. Um, <laughs> my main takeaway is that this is every – Minnesota kids like dream, right? Like every little leaguer that <laughs> ever played baseball in Minnesota, this is their dream. I mean, this movie's made in 94. I was born, I think 94, yeah. I was born in 92. Like imagine being an eight-year-old, you know, he's playing little league with his buddies. You're at that perfect little age where it's kids pitch and you're starting to, you're starting to really understand baseball a little more. And he's just an encyclopedia, right? Like he kind of reminds me of, I was the same way. Like I was just a little baseball encyclopedia. I wouldn't be able to go back to 1924. And like he was, that was a little over the top. That being said, I think it's every Minnesota kid's dream to be able to walk on the Metrodome with your two best friends and say, I, hey, my best buddy owns the Twins. You go to third, I'll go to first, and then you become the manager. You're managing the Twins. Like, every kid has that idea of a lineup card. Obviously, we still do this as adults, trying to, you know, basically pretend to be Rocco Baldelli behind the microphone. But my main takeaway is that this is every little kid's in Minnesota's dream, especially if you were born in the 80s and 90s and grew up with the Metrodome and the Minnesota Twins. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to get a little, little sappy with you guys. My main takeaway from this movie is that it's, it, it just like really tugs at the heartstrings of if you're a kid and you have memories of going to games with mm-hmm. your dad or your grandpa in this case, I just, I love that this movie tugged at those heartstrings so much. Cause I remember like my dad would take, my parents got divorced when I was six or seven years old. And so my dad, it was kind of my dad's mission when I would see him on the weekends and, you know, we didn't get to spend a ton of time together. And so he knew that I loved baseball and he loved baseball. And so that was our main shared connection. And just like that scene where Billy's grandpa, the owner of the twins is telling the mom, like, you gotta let me take him to see Roger Clemens. When I was a kid, I had a chance to see Walter Johnson, the big train. And so my dad would always look at the schedule every single twin season and sort of map out like, all right, so the Red Sox are in town here, which means we're on Roger Clemens' watch, and then we got to see Ken Griffey and Randy Johnson mm-hmm. or Ricky Henderson's in town with the A's, and so he would like go through the schedule and get us those outfield tickets where you could just sit wherever you want and catch home run balls from Mark McGuire, McGuire Sosa, like all throughout the '90s. So I had a major connection to this movie when it was out. And I still feel like I have a major connection because my dad, one of my dad and I's biggest connections to this day, even when he's almost 80 years old, is baseball. Mm-hmm. So love, love, love that part of it. Um, Joe, what was your favorite part of this movie? This is not going to surprise either one of you when I say it. My favorite part of this film was that the people or that the guy that wrote this film 
had the team, the Twins in this case, lose the one-game playoff. That there was no championship. Yeah. That, that, Class, classic Minnesota sports loss. <laughs> it right? is. It's a, well, yes, yes, one is, that's true. But what I loved was every one of these films ends with a World Series championship, right? It always ends with that. And, and to come up with a plot line that ends with, hey, the kid did a great job. The team rallied around the kid. They got to a playoff. And, of course, in Twins fashion, it's all, it's a at that time, one-game playoff, which means that it just goes to, to the streak of the fact that Twins can't win playoff games. But I really like the fact that the writing in this film ended it at that point because it still was a good film, and it still was like, okay, cool, but yeah. you but you didn't get the old, that's ah, a World Series championship. I, I thought that that was a really, really smart move as far as the script went. It was it was kind of, I remember it being kind of shocking the first time I saw the movie you just fully expected Lou Collins to hit right. a game winning homer and everyone celebrates and and actually in the in the Wikipedia write up they have you know they go over how it wasn't like received very well but that Roger Ebert praised this movie because of its lack of predictability that mm-hmm. so many things happen that are just sort of off script like you expect movies like this to have a feel good win the world series ending like the major league movies or rookie of the year everything just float it yep. just float it and he strikes out the big bad hitter yep. and in this movie it ends in failure <laughs> so yeah 100% uh dex what was your favorite part of this movie my favorite part is how they use so many prominent baseball players and they set it up with i mean this is the peak of the mariners right i mean this is this is griffey and randy johnson lou pinella i mean this is the this is the heart of it this is a little bit for a rod and there's even other cameos by baseball players in this movie and i know you mentioned the there, there's a former St. Paul Saint, and, and I forget who was off the top. You said there was a former Minnesota, now like a Twins coach or whatnot that was in this film that Elster? they used. Yeah, is that who it was? Yes. How they just Kevin basically knew that, all right, yeah, the Twins did win a World Series three or four years ago, but the production company knew that we're not going to include any Twins players in this film, but we're going to feature Griffey and Randy Johnson and Paul O'Neill is in this movie. There's a Yeah, bu- why wasn't Kirby Puckett in this movie? Right. My guess is because they probably – would have had to have him commit to the whole film, right? Because he plays for the Twins. So they, they probably couldn't use guys that the would team. have to be on the team constantly. So call. my favorite part is the fact that they knew that who, who are the stars and who are the people to feature in baseball. And they, oh, just, yeah. and they just knew, do not talk about the 1995 Twins. Like, you know, the 90, 92 team was still good, but this was in the dissension into some dark years of Twins territory. And they knew that, hey, let's just let's just feature Ken Griffey you know Jr. That, that's a good point. When when was when did this film come out? Ninety four. This and and but like what and this, this is, June 29th, ninety four. So it came out as so the, the strike was approaching. Yep. So this this movie was. I'm sure I heard it. This movie was filmed with the the wild card being introduced for the first time, and Chris Berman even makes reference to. Can't believe we're saying this, but they're playing for the wild, wild card. card. Yeah. It's like this <laughs> new concept, but it's a one game. Yeah, yeah. It's weird, but I I bet you that in retrospect now. The strike hurt because it probably remained in theaters into the strike, and people were checked out on baseball at that point. Thank God for steroids. Because the strike was in August. Right? August, yeah. So it, That's what I'm saying yeah. is like, like, but that was the talk of that year, which is, is the strike going to hit? And then it did, and they just shut down. So maybe they thought, oh, we'll release this movie right when the, so people are going to crave baseball. No. They're going to watch this movie, and people They're are like, this is baseball. Yeah. So the baseball cameo, since Dex brought it up here, I got a full list of all the players and managers and figures that were in this as okay. themselves or in one case not as themselves but so Ken Griffey Jr who was pretty good like yeah. in terms of athlete appearances in the movie like he had a couple lines that were pretty good it was very realistic Lou Pinella <laughs> Mickey Tettleton had a couple great lines in this movie Yes also one of the the, the weirdest batting stance guys that in was baseball above the history. head right he wrapped no, it above it was, his head, or no, 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 Nick, it was back. Nick, he That's he right. laid it to the side. He would That's stand right. sort of facing the, the pitcher and, and laid it to the side. Yep. That was back when everyone had a homemade batting stance, and now everyone <laughs> goes to the same camps, and it's all like mechanically home. Yeah, I miss those old you don't stances. See those. Ivan Rodriguez with the Rangers, young, early Pudge, young and not and not big yet. Nope. I, I don't know how he got <laughs> so big later on. Weird. I would not speculate on such things. Yep. Man, was Sandy young. Alomar Jr., yep. Eric Anthony, Carlos Baerga, Alex Fernandez, Randy Johnson, Wally Joyner, Dave Magadan, 
Lenny Webster, former twin, apparently was in this. Movie. Yeah, I don't remember. I don't. I didn't know who, who he was. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Paul O'Neill, yep. Raphael Palmero, yep. Dean Palmer, Tim Raines, Chris Berman as himself, and then our friend John Gordon. I love that. Just a wonderful human being. I got a, a production note on that one as Wally Holland. I found a great production <laughs> note about that. So that role was was supposed to go to, and they brought. Um, and I think he was, I think he was with the Orioles at the time, John Miller in to read for it. And he was wow. awful and he was terrible. And they're like, oh boy. And he what? looked at them and said, John Gordon's your guy. He's, and, and oh, cool. Miller told him, hire Gordon. He will be great at this role. Wow. And, and he sort of plays, but he sort of plays Gordo on steroids. Like that's he this does. role. Right. Yeah. It's just him on steroids. Wide. Yeah, but yeah, but yeah. so so he actually got he actually helped get John the role by saying I'm not good, but this guy will be perfect. Yeah, so I think like Judge Generation, Herb Carneal was the voice for you growing up with yes. the Twins. My generation, born in the '80s, Herb was in the mix throughout the '90s, but John Gordon was really the voice for mm-hmm. my generation of Touch Twins them all. fans. Same. Yep. And now, obviously, Corey Provis has been doing it for like nine years. Yep. I know it's been, it's been a long time yep. for Provis. And he's awesome. All right, your least favorite thing about Little Big League, Judd. Okay, so so this kid, Billy points himself manager. He owns the team, but he's going to do it on summer vacation. I'm unclear. Like, dude, you're really rich. Your mom seems to care sometimes, but she's not, like, around all the time. Just drop out of bleeping school. And go go <laughs> into grade. baseball and go into <laughs> baseball. And then the second part about the Billy character, and it's not the kid's fault because he, he was actually, I thought, pretty good. The second part about the character that bugged me, there's too much brooding. He broods too much. Like he gets too into, I mean, he, yeah, he's in sixth grade. He and like he starts off all fun. You know, baseball's fun, you guys, which is which is how a kid would act. I totally get that. So I bought in. But then like he like goes into these. Oh man, oh I, I don't know about this. And then Luke Collins starts to date his mom, and he wants his mom to to be happy. But then he gets mad and benches him about like like I didn't like the writing for for Billy because it's like okay, I can clean this up in one second. First of all, just forget the whole school thing. Who gives a crap about that? And second of all, don't have him brood so much. He's in sixth grade. No sixth grader who who gets that job is going to be like, oh, Lou Collins, you're benched because oh, I don't know about this now. I got tired so, of how that character was written. All right. So so Judd has sort of hit on, I've got sort of tandem least favorite things here, just mm-hmm. to piggyback off Judd. And the number one least favorite thing for me is how quickly Billy abandons the fun mantra to just yeah. berate players all the time. Like he just he goes from all right guys we're gonna have a ton of fun that's all I care about just have fun and they go on a six game winning streak <laughs> and then so so basically like a week and a half after this fun mantra starts he just becomes an a hole he becomes incorrigible <laughs> and and yes. forgets and and yes. by the way like as he's an a hole the team wins enough games still to to at least like have a chance the last four games of the season. So they went a huge chunk of the season with him being a terrible culture manager, just like Dennis Farina was, and yet they maintained the winning. And then, and then the other least favorite thing for me is just like the mom wiping his face and the yeah. mom, the mom being so involved in suspending him for a game. It's yes. like, mom, listen, all right, you just got to you got to take a step back here. All right, you just got her kid. Sometimes you got you to let Bill Haywood be Bill Haywood a little bit here. Okay, in real life, her, her kid was drafted, I think, last year, first round, by the Mets. Center really? fielder. He's got three names. He, he's got her last name, and it must be his dad's. But, yeah, really? he was a first-round pick. He's really good for the Mets. Interesting. All right, well. Life imitating make art. Make a, make a sequel right But there. I'm with that... you. Like, like, like the inconsistencies of that character, it's like you don't really need to do that with that character. Totally. Dex? Uh, my least favorite part you guys kind of touched on it is the mom. I can't stand the mom in this film. Uh, number one, she just okay. Let me let me just get get me get right with the parenting of this of this thing. So she's she's a single mom. She busts her butt. Uh, she lets her kids and her friends all hang out. Awesome, cool mom. Like it comes off as a really cool mom at the beginning of this film, and then all of a sudden she starts like dating the player, which is a little weird because now your son is the owner and manager of the team. That's a good point. And then you know he figures out that her son is watching. Uh, what, what I've written down. 
Nurses from Jersey. So he gets upset. Night, 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 nurses. Night, nurses night nurses from, from Jersey. Jersey. Thank porn, you. man. Porn on the road. I mean, what are you going to do? You know, it's ho- it's hotel. It, 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 pay-per-view. He's the owner of the team. Like, let him do what he wants. Uh, the, 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 <laughs> yeah. the mom guilt towards the end, I just can't stand. I, 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 just, I didn't like the character of the mom at all. Did not like the character at the mall. By the way, her son in real life, uh, the actress Ashley Crow, her son's name is Pete Crow Armstrong, 19th, 19th overall pick. Uh, by the wow. match last year, Pete Crow Armstrong. That sounds like a baseball. That's pretty player. funny. What a what a what a um, random occurrence that is. Or maybe yeah, it's not random. Least favorite part is the mom. That's a good far. one, Dex. By far, that's really good. Yeah. Okay. What would this I'm movie? Could you have done this movie? Like the mom has to be somewhat involved because he's a kid, right? But like, what what's the bare minimum the mom could have been involved? Like the mom, there, there's got to be a certain amount of like, hey, he's still a 12 year old, so he's going to get in trouble and stuff. But like, did she really need to be dating and getting married to Lou Collins? Did, no. did, did, did Lou well, Collins? And I, and I, I want to talk I, about that too. Lou Collins, by the way, like, all right, buddy, you're get your head in the game. This is a wild card. Yeah, that's that play-in game. That's in my notes too. And you're proposing during the yeah. game to the like, manager's mom. Like, what are you doing? And she's in those dome seats above the dugout to the side. Like that's a jaunt. Like there, there was a camera pit there. You got to go. Like he's going all the way over there during a game. I'm totally with you. I did not like that. I feel like the mom, I feel like Billy's character could have been written a little bit more consistently, and the mom didn't need that role. Like, she could have been in it without it being this big a deal that she is. It it was almost like they got, it was almost like they got her and told her, okay, to play this role, we'll give you some substantial screen time. And I was like, really? Dex is right. Yeah, it's bad. Uh, All right, your uh, least least believable part of this movie. Well, you you hit on one, which was Lou Collins is really going to go and propose during a baseball game and a wild card game, no less a one game. Like this is when he's going to like go down there with a ring and then and then tells Billy, "Well, it's up to you if we get married." And okay, that's bad. But here's the least for a Minnesota sports guy. Here is the least <laughs> believable part in this entire film, okay? And I'm sure to the country they thought nothing of this. If you saw this film in Florida or Oklahoma or California, you thought zero of this. But this line from the Twins GM is the one that stood out to me as the least believable part, and it must have had to do with with the ability to use team names. The Twins GM at one point is is in his Metrodome office which is like which is like where the boxes were like very convenient like the there are these great sweeps suites that they've converted uh, and he's talking to the commissioner about Billy becoming manager of the twins at 12 and you could tell the commissioner's like that's a joke we can't do do that and he talks about the publicity you guys and his exact quote was it's june and people are already talking about gophers football yep this is 1994 i mean now it's a stretch but it's 1994, and they must well, have he, tried he, to get Vikings. He, he, he meant it. He meant it sarcastically too. I think like he's. It was. It was definitely a, a, a very provincial dig at a terrible Gopher football program. But you would have. But I'm. But I'm. But I'm saying. My guess is that they tried to say Vikings and they couldn't use the name, and so I think they oh. just came up with a team, and I think it was Gopher football. Yeah, but fair. not. But nonetheless. In Minnesota, saying anybody is ever talking about gopher football in in what's supposed to be a line (laughs) to the commissioner is hilariously funny and as unbelievable as possible. So, but like, why wouldn't they have the ability? They're not using the the NFL logo or the Vikings logo. Are they not allowed to or mention somebody just Vikings in a movie? Who knows? All I'm saying is it is completely the least believable thing that anyone in this state in August or October, much less June back then, would have been talking about gopher football. So actually, because you, you brought up sort of the structure of where the where the front office is, and it was like up the in the suite level. In, the house? in reality, their offices were like in the basement, the bow levels oh, with yeah. like no windows or anything. It was just it well, was and then up above, outside, right? Like above above the the third base side, they built they built them out, but they were not near the field. Yeah. So uh, I would say one of there's a there's a few things here, but like <laughs> the twins clubhouse. All right, and this is very inside oh, baseball. Good, I, get yes. the, I get that like a lot of <laughs> a lot of people have never been inside the Metrodome Twins Clubhouse, and like at least Judd and I are fortunate enough to have been in there on a regular basis when the Metrodome was around. Declan, you probably were too, too young. young to yep. be in the Twins Clubhouse, in high right? School still. 
that was like if they were to have built a luxury version of the Twins Metrodome Clubhouse. It was not at all. The, the Twins Clubhouse in the Metrodome was much smaller and just a total dump. <laughs> just a disaster. <laughs> Feels right. And these guys are like hanging out in this state-of-the-art, super wide open uh, catering area, right? Yep. They had a food area kind of in the back for the Twins Clubhouse, but it was not nearly. And the name and the name plates were really nice, like like they yeah. they were like electronic. Like Field. Yes, the <laughs> Twins had like name sliding plates. The Twins probably saw that movie and were like, "What the hell? Wait a second! Yes. Why can't why can't we get you're, something like you're this? a thousand percent right? It's like a luxurious <laughs> clubhouse." Yep. Uh, Dex, what about least believable for you? All right. Um, I don't mean I got to be careful with how I say this. Uh, but I'm gonna, I'm my least believable part. I'm gonna, I'm gonna speak on behalf of a lot of Twins fans here. My least believable part of this film is they make the poll ads look cool and like good people. <laughs> you can say that. And all I'm saying is the owner, the grandfather, is is this great, nice, nice nurtured man, and everyone loves him. And then he gives it to his son, and his son kind of like rejuvenates a little life. But then you know he's he also goes down a spiral. I'm just saying the the poll ad family. I don't think is portrayed in this movie accurately. Like I don't, they don't, they don't call themselves the pole ads in this film. But any, Jason Robards is Carl, though. Yeah, you're right. Any Twins yeah, fan who right. watches this film would, pro- or any non-baseball fan, like, oh wow, that's a really cool family that owns the baseball team. His grandson loves baseball, and he t- and he takes his grandson everywhere, and they're best friends. But let's be honest, even a lot of people can recognize like that's not how the pole ads operate. That I, is my I least believable love- part. I did love the taped message for after you die. Like, okay, if you if you guys were to leave a taped message for whoever it may be for after you die, if you have to tape it yeah, right now will. today, last will and testament. Yeah. Who who would you? I mean, Judd would have to tape it for like Declan or something because he doesn't have kids. Yeah, Maybe you tape it for Declan. But what would your message be? What what message would you put in a taped for when I die VHS that you'd have to tape over a Bulls Knicks game for? <laughs> oh, which was hilarious too. Oh, I have no idea. Um. Would you warn people about something? Would you get? Would you give someone something of yours like he did? He, you can have the twins. Well, yeah, because he's Here rich and he has to will that off. Like mm-hmm. I don't know, I have enough to will off other than like my house. I, I would have to, and Dawn would get that if she's still alive. I, I would have to, assuming she's still alive. I, I think I would just do a full video explaining to people the days before an electronic strike zone. Listen, you guys aren't going to believe what we did for over a hundred years. We had these fat dudes like Joe West. You would have robbed yourself, Angel Hernandez, of Laz Diaz behind the plate for the home opener <laughs> yesterday. Is that what you're telling me, Laz Diaz, missing balls and strikes? God, Laz Diaz, man. This new Twitter account that's got like thirty thousand followers. Its umpire scorecard is oh, amazing. It's great. every game, every day. It shows you how right and wrong they were behind the plate. It's Just, pretty awesome. It's it's gonna it's gonna bring electronic strike zones to the forefront. Um. I you know I I will say that I was gonna put the the genius hidden ball trick in the least believable, but I I I sort of think that like I know that didn't Judd you told us a story didn't like a college team yeah, pull that college off World one Series, time in an actual game yeah college World Series Miami and somebody in like '84 so so here's the problem and, and I, I found an oral history of this film uh, which was published like five or ten years back so the problem where it got screwed up in production was. It's not a balk if the pitcher steps off and fakes the throw, but in the film they cut out or didn't acknowledge. They didn't show the pitcher stepping off, so it looks like a balk. Mm-hmm. They should have seen it through and shown the guy just for the sake of clarity. They should have shown the pitcher step off. But if, but but if you're think- off, you can fake the throw. That's one of those things that 99.5% of people watching the movie would not even think twice about. They wouldn't think, yeah, oh, that's right. a balk. Right? But I guess people who like baseball did. I, it's the first thing that occurred to me is that's a balk. And they're like, no, it wasn't because technically he had stepped off the rubber. But you're right. Is it unethical for them to have gotten the security guard to buy into it as well? I can see the team being in on no, the trip. Is it cheating? It's a great... You know what? If it works, who cares? St. Cloud State did a hidden ball trick against Winona in 2011, and it actually has 3 million views on YouTube. So what wow. they did was the runner was trying to steal second, and the catcher actually threw to third, but they acted like it was a passed ball. And the Winona yeah. runner bid on it, and then by the time he gets to the third base, because he, now he's coming around to third, they just tag him, he's out, and the Winona guy throws his helmet. It's it's a pretty good one. I think the yeah. hidden ball trick actually is more so, believable. I will say that— it wasn't bad. Uh, w- 
Yeah. We in a, in a Legion tournament one time, Buffalo Legion team 2002, 2001, yep. somewhere in there. Yep. So we pulled a successful hidden ball trick to end an inning one time. And the way we did it, and I, so I was playing first base, and somehow we had like talked about doing this at some point, and it wasn't like just a spur of the moment thing. But when the time was right, you know, let's say there's a base hit and the and the hitter's on first base and rounds first base, and the ball comes back into the infield. Whether it's the third baseman, the shortstop, or the first base. Well, I guess it has to be the first baseman if there's a guy on first. But you get the ball, and then instead of throwing it back to the pitcher, mm-hmm. you walk the ball back to the pitcher, and you, and, you, and, you, and, you, and you hold the ball in your hand, and you stick it in his – you make it look like you're sticking it in his glove. <laughs> but you're really sticking it into your own glove. Yep. And then you go back to the base, and the pitcher just stays off the rubber. Right. And then the hitter sometimes will just wander off a step or two, even when the pitcher is – off the rubber, and then you can just tag them out. And then you have to yell to the umpires like, hey, <laughs> tagging. It works on high school kids. I don't know if it'll work on a major league. It's true. But, well, yeah. But the key there, but the key there is is the guy on base has to be aware of where the pitcher is. Like you've got to watch him. Unless he gets back on the rubber, you stay on the base. Like that's yeah. the important thing. But but the pitcher, so the pitcher can't deceive the runner from the rubber, but as long as he stays off of it. The fielders yeah. can. Where would the Ken Griffey Jr. game-winning, game-saving, like catch? advance to the playoffs catch rank in the history of baseball uh, if that happened in an actual game? Well, it depends on the game itself, but it it is it is up there with the pocket catch against the plexiglass as far as yeah. like the equivalent to it. Hundred yeah. percent. But if it's in a one-game playoff like that, I mean, it's fairly high. If it's a World Series, especially a decisive game, it's a, you know. Great catch, but I like the fact that they paid him. Like, like the Griffey thing made the action believable. I thought. Here, here's the one thing about that catch, and this is, you know, people don't think about this, but let's say that ball gets by Griffey. I mean, it's fan interference all day long. There's like 20 yeah, there's fans a- leaning over the wall to try and touch that baseball, and so that would just be the end of the game because it would have been fan interference, right? But- Wouldn't the batter just be out? If it's if you got twenty fans yes. leaning over the, yeah, the railing, they lean like over that? there. Yes, yes, yeah, be tough. Um, can you guys tell me? So I'm, I've got the 1994, the actual 1994 Major League Baseball standings up here. Okay. This is before the strike, so the strike hit in August, and so there was no World Series that year. Expos, can you guys are so tell good. me, yeah. freaking Expos, yeah, can, man, got screwed. So the Expos had the best record at the time, 74 oh. and 40. They had a young Pedro Martinez. Oh. Marquise Grissom, Delano DeShields. Oh, they were good. Can you tell me what the Twins' record was? They uh, played by the pause, uh, by, by by August before the strike hit. Mm-hmm. It wasn't good. Um, so they had played a hundred thirteen games by that point. How many wins did they have? Forty. I think it was, they were. Oh, go ahead, Jed. Oh, ahead. I was going to say. I think I think it was, it might have been a few more than that. But yeah, they they were not good. They were decent. They were, I mean, they were fifty three and sixty. So they were, oh, okay. they weren't good, but they were, yeah. they weren't a train wreck. Okay. Can you let's play the lineup game here real quick? Can you guys collaborate together to tell me who the the, the nine guys with the most played appearances were offensively for the Twins? Like who were their nine regular players in eight, around in, the diamond? in ninety four? Ninety four. Yep. Um. Pocket. Pocket is correct. Yeah. Right? Was her, was Herbeck? Was Puckett was um, so good that year. Puckett drove in 112 runs in 108 games. Knobloch. Just ridiculous. Knobloch. Was was Herbeck still around at that point? We'll 94? give you that one. Yeah, we'll give you that one. Okay. Was Shane Mack there? Shane Mack played left field. Look at me. I'm surprised I'm getting these. Yeah, that's good. Um, there's, a bu- there's, a, there's a bunch of names. I mean, it's a weird era because it's kind of a transition era, but there's a bunch of names. Denny Hawking was on that team. Denny um, Hawking was on that team, but he only played eleven games, so he doesn't count here. Okay. Was was Gaetti gone? Yes, yes. Yeah, he Long went. Run. He left as, as part of the the collusion settlement in ninety. <laughs> was Scotty Leyes still around? Scotty Leyes was the third well, baseman. Okay, because because he, he had moved from third to short when Gagne left, and then I think they moved him back to third base. Was Pat Mears on that team? He was the starting shortstop. Okay, six, uh, six. Actually, it's there's ten guys here, maybe even eleven. And was Puckett in right by then? Yes. So Puckett wasn't right. Matt Mac, Mac was, was in, in left. left? Mac. 
Shane Mack was in left. Um, Rich Becker on that club. I had MLB ninety five for the was, Sega Genesis, and that's the only reason I'm trying to think of all these names. Okay, so there, there's a, there, we need a DH, a center fielder, yeah, hold and on we a need a, catch, a catcher, and then a couple other prominent players. Matt Wallback around by then? Yes, this is a clinic right now. Um, Come on, you got this. But wait, wait, wait. Center field, though, Dex. With the, this is not... Okay. I mean, this is the before my one. time, though. So it was not... On-base on machine who stole a ton of bases. Okay. In 94? Under, underappreciated in that era. Okay, so was it veteran-type guy or a young guy? Um, He was 28 years old. So sort of in between. And I think he may have... Mm. Gone down to injury and then no, never. I'm sure I know. I'm sure I know this one. I, I was just yeah. tr- trying to think if it, it was one of the recycled guys that Terry brought through. But I think he the started D, to the, do that the later. The DH is one of the greatest players of this, the 25 year era. Paul Molitor? Was Molitor on, on no, the team yet? No. Not yet. Okay. No, no, no. You're he came really in close. 96. The DH was one of the greatest, like a, a twins, a, tw- a longtime twins player or somebody they brought in? His The majority of his career was not with the twins. I'm gonna be really. I'm gonna be really peeled when I hear these names because I would. I, <laughs> the I, DH, you're gonna quit. You're gonna quit media. I went altogether. to games constantly at the time. Uh, 94, <laughs> 1994 Twins no, DH. Oh, Winfield, Dave Winfield, Dave Winfield, Dave Winfield, Dave Winfield. Winfield. Okay. Okay. Central. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. It. God. <laughs> oh, that's when he that's got his three thousandth hit right yeah. around that time. Damn it. All right. Good I'm job. gonna give you some of the other ones here. So uh, Alex Cole was the center field. Oh, I would. Yeah, I remember. I remember that. You know what he. He was. He was Juan Pierre before Juan Pierre. Yeah. 375 on base percentage, 29 stolen bases. Cleveland, right? He had been in Cleveland. I believe so. And I think he wore Rex specs. (laughs) I think that's correct. I think he wore Rex specs, yeah. I went to a lot of games. Pedro... Pedro Munoz and Jeff Rebele are also like the two Oh, Jeff Rebele. In in fact, Rebele had a friend who was a baseball player and and an actor, and I forget which one, who he got him the job on this film. Wow. Um... The pitching staff, Kevin Tappany, Scott Erickson, Jim Deshays, Pat Mahomes, and Carlos Polito made the most Oh, starts. Carlos Polito. And so Tappany and who else? Scott Erickson. Scott Erickson. And that's around the time. Jim what, what year did Erickson pitch the no-no against the Brewers at the Metrodome? Might have been that year. It was around like it that was time. Yeah. Yep. Or 93. And then the bullpen, Rick Aguilera with 23 saves, followed by the rest of the bullpen was a disaster. Carl Willis, Mark Guthrie, Mike Trombley, Larry Cassian. old, yes. Seven ERA was really bad. Oof. So, all right, let's get to Al- the... Hole I wouldn't have gotten. A, yeah. Um, Sorry. By the way, a Valley Fair shout-out to corkscrew, yeah. uh, the corkscrew, the wave. Amateur mistake by them standing on the bridge yeah. for the wave. Rookie mistake. You can't do that. Rookie mistake. You can't do that. Yeah. All right, the uh, we have two different categories here for ranking this movie. One through ten scale, the believability of sports action. One through ten. So the only movie we've done so far here is Mighty Ducks. We we gave it a two point seven out of ten. Yeah. What would your one through ten be here for a little big league? I'm going to give them a nine. They did a really good job, and and the extras being actual ball players was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I'll give it a nine. They clearly worked very hard if nothing else, to make the action in this film as believable as possible from watching pe- people play. The scenarios might n- might not have been consistently believable, but, like, you didn't see a guy who could barely throw. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would say it's a solid eight. Um, actually, I, I rewound it to rewatch it because and I know they're doing it because of, like, dramatic and for the scene, but the route Griffey takes to catch that ball... I don't know. It, it's a little zigzaggy. And red- no, don't get me wrong. He was the best defensive center fielder in the game at the time. Are you questioning? But, but because of the Junior? filming, they were like obviously trying to hype it up. He's like at one point, it's like looks like he's running towards the gap. There's another point where it just it does not add up. It really like go back and rewatch you know it. What? I'm serious. Go back and rewatch Mr. it. Mr. Serious. It's it's uh it's an eight out of ten though. I think it's really believable. The baseball is, and it does help having the actual players. Eight out of ten. All right. So this is my take from the beginning. I, I teased it. This is, I think. I'm giving it a nine. I don't. I don't have a. I can't think of a sports movie that's a ten off the top of my head. I don't know if it exists, but this is the most believable sports action I've ever seen in a sports movie because <laughs> they're using major league players for sure. most of it. You don't have guys who just like that look like they've never thrown a ball before. They're using major league players to do a lot of these scenes, and that's what made it so believable. So it's a nine, which means it's an eight point seven. 
composite score between the three of us. And then the last one is one through ten, just on entertainment value. What's your score, Judd? What did I give the Mighty Ducks? You get a six. Uh, I don't remember what you I gave believe- it, but it was a seven combined. Yeah, I, you got six. I did seven. Phil did eight. You did six. Entertainment value. I'm going to give this film, and keep in mind, I went in expecting it to be crappy. I'm going to give this film a seven. I enjoyed it. I could have cut it down by a little bit. Um, I didn't enjoy all the characters, more so how they were written than, than acted. Um, I'm going to give it a seven, though, because there wasn't a point where I thought to myself, I hope this ends soon because it's and and again I will oh, give I and I will well here's why I'll give him a ton of points I'll give him a ton of points because not ha- having seen this film I thought how are they going to get the World Series in like we're getting late in this film and the fact that they brought an abrupt end to it I really enjoyed so a seven for me it's a six it's a six it's wow. way too long dude it's way too long and See, and the plots all over the place with with. With the grandfather, not that his grandfather dying, but yeah, like they get the surge and then they go back down and then there's the playoff. It's it's way too long. I can't stand the mother. The pole, the the family is not accurate. It's a six. I love how you want them to like paint the pole ads as being these terrible. I people. do. I I I. You'll never get the baseball team. <laughs> exactly. That's not how this works. You guys act like it was gone with the wind length. Like yeah. it was it was no, like I an intermission in the middle. I did. About fifteen minutes. I, I, I'll wear that. No, I'll wear no, that. No, Declan That's, hates yeah. the. I'm just saying I could have cut it down. I'll wear that. All right. I love baseball. This is this hits every nostalgic heartstring for me. It's baseball. It's it's he's basically like the same age as I was like I was a couple years younger. It's the twins. And I thought it was highly entertaining. It's a nine for me in terms of entertainment value. I love this movie. Somebody's gone too far. And that makes it a seven point three score just slightly above Mighty Ducks at a seven. Here's why I think uh, just to to put a um, tie up a few loose ends here. Here's why I think the Vikings might have been an original intent to mention and weren't. Billy, for some unknown reason, in his bedroom has a Jets pennant. Uh, Winnipeg? No, New York Jets. Oh. Okay. <laughs> he has. He a, also has a, a Lee County Stadium pennant. Yes, is, but I mean, they've got a lot of twin stuff that that's cool, accurate too. Media guides, like clearly, and you know, I'm not surprised the Twins were all in on this. But I'm saying, I think there's something up with the Vikings at the time because, like, why would you have a kid who lives, I think, in Edina, and he's rich? Why would he have a Jets pennant? Like, of all the teams, it was almost like they're like, screw the Vikings. We'll give him a Jets pennant. Yeah. Uh, one other shout-out for this movie, the runner, using Runaround Sue as a montage oh, song was clutch. It's in my it's, it's in my notes. I literally put Runaround Sue, great song. Hey, how much did this film make you guys miss the Metrodome? A little bit. A little bit. A little bit. Big game. Big game yeah. vibe. Love the big game vibe there. Yeah. The, the, game, game 163 yeah. was a great way to close it out. But Why was the cool. Twins dugout and bullpen on the wrong side? It's true. They're flipped. It was on the first base side in the film. Logistics. Yeah, man. I don't know. Yeah. That's a good question. Um, boys, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull an executive move here. It's oh. draft season. Okay. It's NFL draft. Oh, season. we're gonna. I've seen some was, of this I was, one. I was. I was. Uh, Little Costner. Little Costner coming up. Right. We're doing draft day next week. Oh, we got to do draft. Jennifer Garner. Let's just do it. Let's let's put it out there. People can can watch it with us, and then they can have a couple we weeks should to consume do, it before the draft. We should try and do um, a series of just Costner sports films. We would get two months out of it, right? I mean, because the guy game. never like it's like let's put him in another sports. I mean, yeah. he he played um, Crash in Bull Durham, and then it was like from then on, let's just have him be in sports films. Yeah, uh, love it. So draft day next week. Last thing, I, I was. Actually, uh, a friend of mine said she was listening to Chicks in the Office on Barstool Sports, and they were talking about bad sports rom-coms. I've never heard of this film before, but have you guys ever seen Summer Catch from 2001? Uh, Freddie. Yes. Freddie. It's, it's apparently yep. one of the worst films that's ever been made, but it's, but it's rom-com and baseball. Yep. And we it has do it at some point. Freddie Prince, Jessica yes. Biel, Fred Ward, Matthew Lillard, Brittany Murphy, like a lot of those great era of like God early 2000 soul. actors. God rest her soul indeed. I think we should add that to our rom-com list. I want to. I want to see how bad this film is. I added it to the list here for sure. Uh, quick shout out to PXG Minneapolis. Thank you for uh, helping us power the Mackie and Judd show. Golfers paradise at PXG, and the Gen Four clubs have landed. So uh, a lot of people with that golf itch this weekend because of the Masters. But uh, drivers, fairways, hybrids, irons are PXG's flagship clubs. They've got great spring and summer apparel as well. PXG Minneapolis in Southdale Center and find out more 
at pxg.com slash Minneapolis. That's a wrap on Sports Movie Rewind and Mackie and Jeb. We'll see you guys next week. Hit a homer. What? Hit a homer and I say you can marry her. Hey, Lou? Yeah? You can marry her even if you don't hit a homer. Thanks. And Lou? Yeah? If uh, Johnson gets ahead of you, watch for the slider. Going away. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. At the Home Depot, we have the tools for you to give the gift of a smarter home with savings on top brands like the Google Hub, a command center for your smart devices that raises the IQ of your entire home, or the Nest Learning Thermostat that helps you conserve energy and save on your bill. And if you don't know what to get, gift cards are a smart gift no matter what they get. So this year, gift smarter with savings on tools to make your holiday magic. The Home Depot, how doers get more done.